discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. While some great voices are shaped by years of intensive training and study, and some take shape around the dinner table, competing to be heard with their nine, count them, nine brothers and sisters, the tremendous recording artist Lydia Laird, behind this year's hit single, Hallelujah Even Here, was just such a talent. She grew up in a house of 10 siblings and a house of faith. Today we'll trace her journey from Texas to Romania to Tennessee and a great purpose on the road. It is just the absolute best to have you here, Lydia. How's today looking? I am literally in Nashville, Tennessee right now, and I'm looking outside my porch right now, and the clouds are beautiful, and Mm. they are lying and acting like it's not going to be 100 degrees outside, but it is. The clouds are telling you mistruths. I know. They literally look like Toy Story right now. I feel like (laughs) if I step outside, it should be happiness and joy, but it's not. It's sweat and depression. I mean, I'm sorry on the one hand, but you said that in an almost poetic way, so I can't feel too terrible for you at the same time, you know? I mean, what can I say? I'm a writer. (laughs) Now, this is the first thing that we need to discuss. You come from a family of 10 children. That has to be a fascinating way to grow up. And you said it makes you able to be heard in certain ways. (laughs) Uh, People are always like, literally to this day, my friends are like, why are you talking so loud? Or why do you like when you sing, you project so much. And I'm like, well, I'm number seven. So imagine being around a table with six older siblings and everybody's talking and there's like multiple conversations going on. And you're like, I just want somebody to pass the chicken. Like you just have to like project. So yeah, I would say most layered kids are pretty loud. <laughs> So that's an interesting way to put it. It's almost a matter of survival. Just if you want to get nutrition, you have to learn to sing properly and project. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's so funny because when people come to our home for, like, we always have a Sunday lunch or whatever. So growing up, if I had friends come visit or I was dating somebody and I was like, hey, come hang out with my family, they would get overwhelmed and you would see which ones could stick really fast because (laughs) there's always so many conversations happening at once around the table that like they'll either have like a panic attack and like I can't or they'll just like jump right in. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Some very relatable research right there, right at the dinner table. Uh, Speaking of Sunday, I mean, your dad is a pastor and I believe even at one point your missionaries in Romania, were you quite young when that was the case? Yeah. So he's not a current pastor. He's always been involved in ministry in one aspect or another, but um, when I was five, we moved, he, he was, he owned a cleaning business and he was literally cleaning one night and heard this, uh, thing on Christian radio talking about the need for help with the orphans and all this stuff going on in Romania. And he was genuinely just felt it in his gut that God had told him, you need to pack up your family and go there. And so he went home and he was like, Hey, Cindy, uh, this isn't to sound crazy because we had eight kids at the time and we're all very young. And uh, he told her, and she was like, okay. And so they moved there in the mid-90s. I was, I was, I guess, maybe four, four okay. or five when we moved, and we were there two years. Wow. So obviously faith yeah. is just in every part of your young life at this point. You buy mm-hmm. in pretty early, right? You remember coming to faith at four years old, or is remember the right word? Do you remember too much about that? 
I'll be honest with you. I remember every detail, which is funny because I have oh. a horrible memory. But oh. but I will say I I was so, you know, as much as you can understand it for, like my, my parents represented the gospel in such a beautiful way. But at four, I remember in my in my mind, you know, sin had consequences. I don't like consequences. If I become a Christian, I'm going to be better. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't think my parents realized that that was my view. And like, it's a pretty deep way of thinking, I think, for a four-year-old. But Truly, I, I became a Christian at that age, but honestly did not, I don't think, fully, you know, grasp the freedom of the gospel for, for mm. years to come. And I mean, isn't that all of our story? Like, we're yeah. constantly relearning the gospel. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you already touched on this. I mean, your parents have obviously had just such a massive ministry to you. And I read you were describing your dad on Facebook. You said... I just knocked my water bottle over, by the way, in case. Uh, oh, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm saving the notes there. I'm drawing the notes out in the air as we speak. Okay. So you describe your dad <laughs> as, <laughs> as transparent, honest, humble, and willing to say sorry. And that taught me more about yeah. the gospel than any of his words could have. It sounds like a special set of parents that you have. Oh, they are. I mean, they, I think the most beautiful thing is I'm, I'm someone who struggles very much with performance based way of thinking, like people pleasing. And, you know, for a long time, that was a big part of my relationship with God, just thinking I had to be enough for him to love me, which thank God he, he has worked that way of thinking out of my mind now. But, but that's something I struggled with my whole life. And it's funny because it's not because of my parents. If, if anything, my parents never represented themselves as being uh, put together or having it all together. And uh, genuinely, I think the thing that drew me to Jesus the most and made me love and, and respect my dad the most was I remember one specific instance where he just came forward and was like, hey, I, you know, I need to confess something and ask the family for forgiveness. And as, as a kid, you see your dad do that and you think, wow, like mm -hmm. my dad's not perfect, but he's not trying to be like, wow. he's just being real, you know? And I'm, I'm so thankful for that as an example. That's beautiful stuff. Uh, by the way, in case you're wondering, the water has now all been dried off on the table. I'm so, so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> that means a lot. Thank you so much. Lydia Laird is with us today on the road. The recording artist behind the hit song, Hallelujah, Even Here. She is a storyteller and an advocate as well. You write your first song when you're nine years old. What do you remember about discovering music and as an outlet and then discovering that you were really good at it. Wow. Well, I will say at nine years old, I was not really good at it. <laughs> I still, <laughs> I still remember that song and uh, it's not great, but, but um, no, I think it's just such a sweet gift that, that God gave me. I mean, it wasn't like I was proficient or like, you know, a prodigy at nine, but I, uh, I struggled with different aspects of my mental health growing up, and, and I still do. And I, at nine years old, my mom had, had gotten pregnant with our 11th kid, which sounds insane, I know. Um, it was very unexpected. We all thought, like, she was not going to be getting pregnant anymore. Mm. And uh, she ended up miscarrying. And that was the first time she had ever miscarried. And so growing up with being used to having a new baby, a new baby, and then all of a sudden she's pregnant, and we have to bury the new baby. It was very difficult. And it, I, I literally remember like they had had a name, like we, his name was going to be Gabriel. And mom and dad had looked at, had both thought of that name at separate occasions. And like, they thought it was the Lord. And then to, 
to see that baby be gone. Like even at nine, I just remember hurting so much and going and sitting out on my tire swing with my little journal. I've journaled since I was very little. And, uh, and that was when I wrote my first song. And I, I truly believe God gave it that form of therapy to me um, as a way to deal with my mental health, to deal with my emotions, and also to reach others who, who struggle. Man. I'm noticing that so many of the artists who write these powerful songs also talk about a background in journaling. Am I just imagining that or is there a connection there? I definitely think there is. I think anybody who is like trained themselves basically to emote by writing it down on paper has probably uh, some kind of gift in writing, whether it's poetry, songs, whatever that may look like. Well, this is one of your most powerful ministries. This being so open about your mental health, you already mentioned it there, but Mm. you grow up and you talk about really struggling with knowing if it was okay to struggle with depression and anxiety. And I think uh, for so many of us that have had similar battles, that's something we'll identify with. Talk a little bit about that, unpack that for us and and what that meant to you. Sure. I think, like I said before, I already struggled with this kind of, you know, skewed view of the gospel that I had to be enough. I had to do enough. And um, I think for a lot of the church, a lot of believers, especially if they grew up like me and like, a beautiful, wonderful home, but somewhere where you weren't necessarily learning about mental health or mental illness. Like that was, I think for most people growing up when I grew up, that's just not a subject that was spoken about. And um, for me, I would battle these things. I battled panic attacks. I battled depression. I battled anxiety. And I thought it was because I wasn't being a good enough Christian. And I, and I think that's how we all kind of feel at times. Like, okay, I must not be in the word enough. I must not, like, God must not be close to me right now, or I've disappointed him. Um, How do I get this better? And what happens is there's a cycle of shame attached to that because, one, like, you're already depressed, and then all of a sudden you become ashamed because you're depressed because you don't know what's wrong with you. And then that goes back into this deep, dark depression. (laughs) So it's like this crazy cycle that we keep ourselves in because we don't realize, one, how broken the world we live in is, which includes our bodies, which includes our minds, but two, how good our Jesus is. That he's not sitting there waiting for us to mess up and stay within the lines and and put everything in a box and make sure that we do everything perfect. He knew we couldn't. Like, he knew we couldn't. He took care of that, and now he's walking with us on our journey. And I think if if the church and if Christians and even non-believers could take away this shame mentality and take away... Honestly, I think for a lot of believers, it's fear. Like, we're so afraid. I mean, I'm honest with people. I used to mentor somebody, and at that time, I did not have freedom uh, about my mental health. I was still very, very trapped, and she was on an antidepressant that was much needed. And I told her that she needed to get off of it and and be in the Word more and go to God to be her source. And I was so wrong, and I didn't know. Like, I, it was for me, it was fear. I was so afraid that, like, she must not be walking with the Lord. And like, it was this horrible uh, kind of theology in a way. I had a horrible view of the gospel and of our own brokenness. And uh, since then I've gone back and and repented to her and said, Hey, guess what? I'm on a medication (laughs) Mm. and uh, it helps me so much. Thank you God for doctors, you know? So I, I, I do think if people could take away the fear and go, even if I don't do everything perfectly, God knows and he loves me. He's not, he's not looking for me to mess up and then making a mark against me. There are no more marks against me. I am free to figure it out. Like, 
try doctors, try health, like eating healthier, try uh, finding a counselor, whatever it looks like for you. But, but there's no shame attached to that battle. That is just beautiful stuff. Thank you so much for being honest about this. Thank you for that hope. That is just great. Lydia Laird, the recording artist, is with us today. As we continue to trace that story, you moved to Nashville then and begin to really pursue music intensively. And you talk about dealing with these profound ups and successes and then just the real downs as well. What was the moment of decision in terms of your mental health journey to say, okay, there's more to this than I've unlocked thus far. I'm going to look and see what help I can get. Yeah, there was, there was a point where I, I was working, you know, multiple jobs. I didn't have my family here. I was pursuing what I believe God had called me to pursue, but by his grace, he had not allowed me to walk through that door yet because I still didn't see the gospel clearly. <laughs> and I would have said things wrong from stage, you know? And, um, so I, I was walking through the season of going, God, I don't understand why you called me here. I'm, I'm battling this depression. What's wrong with me? And I, I was in such a heavy season that I was feeling guilty even thinking about getting on meds or going to counseling or whatever. And yeah. I visited home and I went fishing with my oldest brother. And one, not only did he open up to me and say, hey, I, I've gotten help for that kind of stuff. I struggle too. And wow. I had no idea. Wow! But he opened up about it, and that all of a sudden gave me freedom. And I went, "Oh, what?" Like he was a—he's a worship pastor in East Texas, and he—he he t- literally took me fishing. And goes, "Hey, Lydia, first of all, here's my story. You're not alone. Second of all, I'm going to ask you a question." He said, "Tell me if this is true. I'm worthless without Jesus." And I was like, "Well, yeah, that's totally true." And he goes, "Okay, what about this? I'm worthy because of Jesus." And I was like, "Well, yeah, that's true too." He goes, "Cool." You're kind of saying the same thing, but you're staying focused on the negative with that first uh, statement. He said, I want you to start walking into the, I'm worthy because of Jesus, and therefore I'm free. Like, I'm free. I don't have to live in shame. And so something about that paired with him being honest about his struggle, uh, it encouraged me. I, I started going to counseling. I remember sitting in a doctor's office, literally in tears, and it was a Christian doctor. And I go, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I, I've prayed. I've been in the word. I can't shake this depression. And this doctor came over and hugged me, just scooped me up. And she said, Lydia, sometimes it has nothing to do with your spirituality. Sometimes it's the fact that you've got a hormone imbalance in your brain and you need some extra help. She was like, it's time for you to fight the, the right way. And uh, that was when I first got, like, I got freedom, you know, and, and I got onto medication that was not anything crazy, but it helped me. And, and by doing that in a weird way, regardless of if that's the answer for everyone or not, it showed me the gospel. God is not sitting here shaming me if I take one misstep. He is sitting here allowing me to, to walk this journey and use tools that he gives and also know that he's going to walk with me on the way. And when I stumble, he's going to pick me up, you know? Mm. Uh, there's so much hope in this. And I love that you're so open about talking about it because it is... When we talk about pandemics, and of course, we've been talking a lot about pandemics in recent years. Right. This is a pandemic. I mean, everywhere you go. And even what's been extraordinary to me, being so blessed to have these conversations in the community of artists, you know, the people that are creating such encouragement, there's so much of this that people are struggling with. So honest to goodness, just thank you so much for being willing to talk about it. Dude, thank you. And thanks for giving people like me a platform to, to talk about it because 
when I was growing up, I didn't hear many people speaking about this. Yeah. And I, I want those who are struggling like I was struggling and, and still struggle to, to find freedom and to know that they're not alone. Well, I love how this shows up in your music as well. And uh, hallelujah, even here has meant so much to so many over the past really year. There is a message that is tucked into the bridge of that song that I didn't focus on as much until I was just listening to it this morning. And you say right there in that beautiful bridge of the song, sometimes nothing left to give becomes the sweetest offering and sometimes choosing just to sing is the thing that changes everything. That is a beautiful piece of lyric. Can you unpack that just a bit? Yeah, it, it chokes me up every time. Uh, just because I think we, you know, I'm so emotional. I tie so much to my feelings that I shouldn't. And I think as humans, we do that. We, what we feel, we think is reality. And so oftentimes it's not. But God cares about our feelings. He has given us feelings, and it's a beautiful thing. But I have found myself in seasons not feeling like I could worship or not feeling like I could be obedient because I didn't feel it. Um, and, and when I wrote that lyric, I, I was in a season where I did not understand what God was doing. I was hurt. I was confused why he would allow things to work out the way they were working out. And I, I remember being on stage before I wrote this lyric, and uh, struggling with my voice. I was having medical issues, and, and it felt like he was going to take my voice away. Oh my. And I was just about to sign. I know, it was horrifying. And so <laughs> I was just about to sign a record deal with Sony, and it was like, I'd been here seven years. All of a sudden, all the doors were opening, and right at the precipice of this, literally like within a month of me signing my deal, uh, I found out I had vocal nodules, and I could not barely speak. And it was horrifying. I'd never gone through anything like that in my life. And uh, I remember leading worship with these kids and standing on a stage where I couldn't even sing. And I was just having to lift my hands. And I remember a moment where I felt the Lord, it seemed to me that the Lord was saying, hey, I know this is a good gift I've given you, but if I took it away, would you still know that I'm good? Oh and that was hard, man. It was hard. And I, I remember getting on my knees and feeling like, you know, and to others, this may not be the biggest thing, but to me, it was everything I'd worked towards, left my family for, for years, you know, uh, for others, it, it might look like losing a job or, uh, you know, another medical diagnosis or, or a relationship ending or whatever. But it was this thing that seemed so good was just all of a sudden leaving. And I, I had to get on my knees. I wasn't feeling very holy. I wasn't mm. feeling like, okay, yeah, I, I totally trust you. I didn't feel like that. But I, I knew that there's power in choosing in spite of feelings. And truly there was. You know, and, and it's the same thing we see with, uh, was it Paul and Silas in the prison when they're like, they're like sitting there at midnight. They, they know they could die. You know, they've been beat up, thrown into a prison. They have no idea what the end goal is, but they still knew God's character and they worship. And what happens? Like the prison walls come down. They end up saving the prison guard and his entire family come to Christ. Like all this crazy stuff happens. And it's like, you know, we don't worship for what he's going to do necessarily, but we do worship him for who he is in spite of how we feel, because our feelings do not define that. And I, and so for me, it's like, man, that bridge, every time, it, got, it makes me choke up, because mm. that is a choice that every one of us who, who loves Jesus is going to have to make many times in our lives, where we're going to have to say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. I don't feel this, but I'm going to lift my hands. And you are, that for him is a sacrifice of praise. And 
it's like a good dad asking his kid to trust him because he has something so much better for them around the corner. And it may be hard, but when that kid says, okay, it doesn't make sense, but sure, imagine how pleased he is and how proud he is. And that, to me, that's what that lyric is for us as Christians. Well, this has already been quite an interview. There was a water bottle that uh, fell down and there was water flying all over the place on this end. And now just (laughs) tears uh, streaming down (laughs) my face. But man, I've enjoyed it immensely. I must say it's, it's good. I think to, to remember what we know is the truth, but to be refreshed with just how life changing it is. So Lydia Laird is with us today. The recording artist behind the hit song, Hallelujah, even here, a storyteller and advocate. The other song that has meant uh, so much to me listening to the EP that you put out is the song I'll Be Okay. And it's a very simple sort of thesis statement in that song, I feel like. I can hear the thunder, but I'm okay because you're with me. And it is so simple, but it changes everything, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. it right there. That's the hope that we have. Yeah, well... I know you're never supposed to say this as a writer and an artist, but that is probably my favorite song I've ever written. Uh, um, it's, it's because I, I actually wrote that before I was signed to my record deal. And um, it was part of the reason I got a deal. And it's so funny because I wrote it in such a heavy season of literal depression. I think it was right around the time that I started getting counseling and all these things. And, and uh, I, I remember walking into this house party, all these people were hanging out, good friends, and I could not shake. Like if anyone's ever dealt with depression, they know there's like this kind of empty void feeling. You you can't muster up to just be a part of this. It's just so hard, you know? And I was standing in that party looking at everybody and thinking, I can't right now. I don't, I don't know how to engage. I need to step away. And I started walking out and the, the girl's house had a, had a private room with a piano in it. And I remember literally, you know, as God would have it, I'm like, oh, I'll just go to this room with the piano. <laughs> and I, I shut I shut the door and I remember sitting on, on that bench. And it's like how I always kind of journal my, my prayers, my emotions. I just, I was probably in tears and I sat there and started playing. And I said, Lord, give me peace when I am tossed and frightened, lost among the waves. Because that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was just this prayer that kind of came out of me. And I, I think I wrote most of the verses at that point. I did not finish the song until later with a friend, but I, uh, it, for me, it was just a prayer and and begging him to be with me. And it's so sweet because since I wrote this, God has given me this picture of Jesus in the boat with the disciples. And I think so often we feel like the disciples felt and we're like, Hey, you're sleeping right now. And there's this crazy storm happening. And like, dude, you're just straight chilling. Like, <laughs> why? You know? And, and, and I think it's so funny because Jesus wakes up and he's like, don't y'all know me well enough to know, like, I'm, this is not where it ends. Like, I wouldn't have brought you all the way here to let it end right now with me sleeping. Like, if I'm sleeping, you probably don't have to freak out. And, and it's funny because I don't know that that's exactly how they were all thinking. But in my mind, I've gotten this sense because my emotions are so up and down and because I do battle depression there are seasons where I feel like he's sleeping. And sometimes I have to remind myself, well, if it feels like he's sleeping, I must be good. Like, <laughs> he's not going to let me die here. <laughs> like, like he, he has a plan. He's already walked every painful path ahead of us and sealed victory at the end and then come back around and said, now I'm going to walk you through it. 
Oh, man, that'll preach, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) As the kids say. (laughs) (laughs) You said, yeah, speaking of as the kids say, you are so much cooler than I am. You said, dude's just straight chilling earlier. And I was like, oh, I wish I was cool enough to say that. I just can't pull it off, ever. (laughs) Listen, I am not, I am a grown woman. I should not talk like that. But part of the problem is I've been a tomboy since I came into this world, and I talk like a dude half the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you're straight chilling, guys. I'm sure my mom's like, this is why she's single. We need to marry her off. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a few times from my own mother, so I understand completely. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. So How funny. much fun has this been? Uh, Lydia Laird with us today, the tremendously talented recording artist. The hit song, Hallelujah, even here. Uh, Before we go anywhere, where can we go? I know you're all over the social media platforms, but where's the best place to start the journey to pick up a copy of the music and learn more about you? Man, it's all streaming. If you guys want to check me out, you know, all social media accounts, it's just at Lydia Laird. um, And that's how you say my name. For anyone who's wondering, don't say lard. I will never be a friend again. It's Lydia Laird. (laughs) And, um... Yeah, at Lydia Laird on everything, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and I am, I'm so glad we talked about it, but I'll Be Okay is going to radio right now, so hopefully a lot of you guys will be hearing it soon. Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, I just want to say it was such a blessing and such an encouragement to meet you and to talk about your story. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being willing to share your heart. It was just a real blessing to meet you today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com.